Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Perfectville, your first place podcast of your Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marcoux. He is Chris Cullen. This is episode 101 and part one of two. That's right, a two-parter, ladies and gentlemen, on the draft that just passed here for the Miami Dolphins and the NFL as a whole. We call it the drafter math. We're going pick by pick. We're analyzing everything the Miami Dolphins did. And we're going to go even further than that and get into the undrafted free agents in part two, as well as some of the roster moves the Miami Dolphins have made since then. Chris, what are your thoughts about the draft as a whole overall? Uh, well, first of all, I'm sad it's gone because now we're in that dry spell of mm-hmm. nothing until really training camp starts. Uh, as far as news, uh, tumbleweeds are going by as I speak. But uh, the draft itself, I'm actually very happy with. I think we came out with uh, some top talent, uh, guys that can help and impact immediately. And I think it was a, win a long way of showing of uh, where our mentality is as a front office for our for our team and some of our big name players. Yeah, I think I want to explore what this type of draft meant because I think this is a very much a defining draft as to what we're doing, what our mindset is as a team, as a franchise. But before we get to that and, and we look at the draft, I do want to take a quick look back at the Finzies, which was episode 100. Uh, Chris, you were there. I were there. Our pants were not there. Travis Wingfield was there. Uh, we had uh, special guests out the wazoo, and uh, I thought it was a tremendous success. I appreciate your efforts on that episode. Um, I appreciate my efforts on that episode. We want to thank all the citizens of Perfectville for once again coming out in droves. Uh, you guys uh, really responded to what we did on that episode. However, Chris, uh, I do need to point out, we do have a new customer review on Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. And as we've been mentioning for a very long time, if you give us a five-star rating and a review, you qualify for a Perfectville Sip Sack Koozie, a Rondé Bagston, as we like to call him. You can also buy those on welcometoperfectville.com. Uh but this particular review, Chris, does not qualify for a Sipsack koozie. Weird. Yeah, and the reason why is that uh, this is a three-star review, the first Uh-oh. three-star review in Perfectville history, uh, and we always read these things, good, bad, or otherwise, so we have to read it, but this comes from T.R. Sears, or T.R.S. Ears, I'm not sure. Again, uh, these usernames are ridiculous, but uh, it says, meh, three stars. There is as much attempts to be humorous as there is talk about football. Well, that's true. The Finzies episode was on the verge of horrible. Finzies was spelled wrong, by the way. There is some good stuff in here from time to time, but you have to put up with the sideshow to get any good information. It's probably about twice as long as it needs to be. Well, uh, that's very hurtful. TRS ears or TR Sears or Tissers, whatever your name happens to be. Uh, that episode was very long, but that was by design. So if this was your first episode of listening to Perfectville, uh, yeah, you don't usually get an hour and a half. It's usually about a thirty-minute show, so I could I could understand that critique, if you will. But uh, no, 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 uh, Aronde Baxton for you, uh, right, Chris? I mean, this doesn't qualify. Yeah, it doesn't sound like he even wants one. And to be honest, um, you know, nothing says 
bankrupt um, review, much like somebody with the name Sears. So, um, yeah, thanks a lot, douche. (laughs) No, I mean, (laughs) whatever. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, really, it's funny, though. Um, We haven't ever lied about what our show is. Um, since the beginning, we've always been, um, tongue in cheek, bar talk, funny stuff with sprinkle in some actual analytics and, uh, football talk, but, uh, to each his own. I'm glad, uh, he doesn't qualify for sip sexes. You know, we got an extra one. Yeah. I mean, I guess go back to listening to the Finsider, although they, he still gave us three, <laughs> he gave us three stars, you know, it, it's still funny, the majority yeah. of stars you can get out of five. So, you know, I guess, thank you. Uh, our, our average yeah. is still at five stars after all these reviews, but, uh, no, um, we like to it's like it. the old lady that's like, I hate it. This is a terrible product. Five stars. Yeah, it's like and it's like wait, it doesn't make sense. Your your stars don't. I don't know if the rating system uh, means what you think it means, yeah. but we'll take three. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like all ten times I watched Indiana Jones, I hated it. Why do you keep watching the show? It's like this thing. Like, why did you listen to the entire podcast if you didn't like it? But. Uh... Oh, well, we appreciate it. Thank you for uh, hey, giving the I time. Hey, and I got to say, Sam, you didn't introduce me as a two-time Hall of Famer. I'm kind of hurt by that. Oh, God, here we go. All right. Uh, <clears throat> somebody hit where, – where's our Where's our production team here? Let's start this over. Welcome to Perfectville, your first-place podcast of your Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marcou, and he is the two-time Hall of Famer, Mr. Chris Cullen. Chris, how are you now, you piece of crap? Fan-fucking-tastic. Thanks, Sam. Jacket fits perfect. Yeah, you get you get in the Hall of Fame twice, and we get our first three star review. I, I I'm just saying, I, I'm not sure. But yeah, maybe there is some correlation <laughs> there. Maybe there's not. I don't know. <laughs> well, there is some correlation to this show and the draft that just passed, like we talked about here at the top of the show. The NFL draft is now over. All the picks have been picked. All the free agents have been signed in terms of the undrafted ones. And uh, you know what, Chris, we're not going to reinvent the wheel here. We're just going to go pick by pick. We're going to talk about what the Miami Dolphins accomplished, what they did not accomplish. Was it a good draft? Was it a bad draft? Uh, Where is this Dolphins team actually going based on what we know now? And uh, we might as well start towards the top here. Uh, Obviously, the first pick overall for the Miami Dolphins at number 11, Mr. Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, safety out of Alabama, fits a lot of needs, and we're going to get into him here, but I want to talk about what led up to getting Mika Fitzpatrick because, you know, you and I talked about the draft a little bit uh, on the shows leading up to the actual draft. We had people come on and talk about, you know, wanting a defensive player. I think you and I were very vocal of the fact that we needed to go on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, We really didn't care if it was linebacker or somebody like a Mika Fitzpatrick, who I didn't expect to be there at 11, Chris. I don't know about you. No, not even close. I, I thought he'd go in the um, seven to seven to nine to ten range for sure. Yeah, I thought there was an outside chance that Tampa Bay might take him. I thought there was an, uh, maybe an opportunity for the Chicago Bears, uh, who ultimately took Roquan Smith. Uh, and then I really thought both either the Niners or the Raiders would pick him up. But uh, that's kind of where I wanted to start because as this draft was playing out and we got to like the seventh and eighth pick, uh, and all of a sudden I was looking at this and I'm doing the math and I go, well, Roquan Smith is there and then he gets taken. Uh, then you had uh, Edmonds, the other linebacker that we all liked. We had Derwin James and we had Mika Fitzpatrick. And I'm thinking there's a real possibility here unless all all of these folks get you know a, a run right now. Uh, there's a real possibility that uh, one of these players is going to fall to us. And uh, once the San Francisco 49ers took Mike McGlinchey, I believe is his name, the offensive tackle out of Notre Dame, it dawned on me, you know what? 
we're going to get a player. We're going to get one of the players that you and I wanted, that most of the fan base wanted. And at that point, I was really, really happy. And then something weird happened. Uh, We kept talking about Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, because for the first time in history, we were looking and we were seeing quarterbacks come off the board in record pace, four quarterbacks in the first 10 picks. um, And it looked like maybe Josh Rosen was going to be available for the Miami Dolphins at number 11. And I don't know about you, Chris, but as this was happening, um, I was starting to get a little bit of a panic going, oh, no, we're not going to get our defensive player that we wanted, that we've coveted, that we need. We're going to go try to get another franchise quarterback and have a huge controversy all season long between Ryan Tannehill and Josh Rosen. Uh, what were your thoughts when the Oakland Raiders actually traded out of the number 10 pick to the Arizona Cardinals, which at that point pretty much solidified that Josh Rosen was off the board and that we were going to go defense? Uh, were you happy about it? Were you uh scared did you want josh rosen what were your thoughts leading up to pick number 10 yeah we were really excited because i had a top four i tweeted it out we talked about it on the show and as you mentioned roquan smith was the only one out of those four that had been taken so we had to pick of the litter of three guys i wanted and normally going into these drafts we we always have fan favorites that we want and never seems to go our way yeah. um you can go back all the way to me literally uh covering the uh, hey, hey there Del- Delilah song for Earl Thomas. Um, that's how bad I wanted him, and he fell to us. We were excited, but we trade down nonetheless. Uh, here we are, and Josh Rosen's there. And I tweeted this as well, and I got a little bit of traction. But um, I don't know. We'll never know. Uh, they, we've come out and said supposedly that we would not have taken Rosen if uh, Arizona did not jump ahead of us. And if he was there for us at 11, we still would have taken our top defensive guy on the board. We'll never know if that's true or not. Um, You know, Adam Gase didn't take a quarterback at all in the draft, which is crazy because he had said previously, um, you know, Sam, I think he's just been lying to us because he said he loves Jarvis Landry and that's why he uh, franchise tagged him. He's gone. He said uh, he would love to draft a quarterback every single draft. Didn't happen. Uh, The only thing he didn't lie to us about, it seems, is that Ryan Tannehill is a guy and this is his team. We're both pretty pro Tannehill guys, so I'm glad Rosen went. Uh, before us, and yeah, there there he is, Minka Fitzpatrick, a, a captain from an SEC team, national championship winning team, coached by Nick Saban, um, real student of the game, bright bright player, playmaker, uh, and we actually pulled the trigger on it. I was expecting a guard or a defensive tackle, uh, but there we are, Minka Fitzpatrick, number eleven in Miami Dolphins, and um, I don't know if we did it on purpose with all the quarterback smokescreen talk. But it worked because teams were trading ahead of us and uh, competition for our picks like the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Raiders trade below us, leaving us with a pick of the litter. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one thing that I did want to mention, too, is Mike Tannenbaum must have missed his flight to the draft or something because we didn't trade at all, I yep. don't believe. We just <laughs> sat in our position and let the draft board fall the way it was supposed to fall, and then we picked who we needed to pick. And that goes from the first round all the way through the seventh round. Uh, quite remarkable. I can't remember the last time we didn't trade a draft pick on draft day to move up, even in the later rounds, which seemingly every team does at some point. Uh, but not the Miami Dolphins, not this year. And, and I really like Mika Fitzpatrick with this defense because you put Rashad Jones, who who's signed long-term. You put TJ McDonald, who's signed long-term, and now you have Mika Fitzpatrick, who can play the nickel. He he can play in the slot. He can play outside as a corner. He can be a safety. Uh, This allows Matt Burke to really... scheme and design a defense where you essentially have an extra defensive back 
on the field at all times if you really wanted to. But you could actually take T.J. McDonald and drop him down as he's a bigger safety, and he can almost be like an inside-the-box linebacker in a nickel and dime package. And you can have Mika and Rashad Jones uh, roaming around behind him. Or you can stick Mika as as a nickel corner. Uh, There's all kinds of options here. And really, you're going to see a theme with this pick and another pick in particular that I'll bring up. But the Miami Dolphins are terrible and have been terrible seemingly my entire life when it comes to covering tight ends. We just can't do it. In fact, last year, we were the worst team on defense in covering tight ends statistically. So this is a pick that really helps shore up the middle of the defense, something that's been a problem, a huge problem for a very long time for the Miami Dolphins. And I think us getting one of the top 10 players, I don't think anybody can dispute that outside of the top 10 and not having to do anything to get it. Uh, other than sit there and let the draft play out the way it did, is a huge, huge bonus for the Miami Dolphins. I give this pick a, an A-plus when it comes to value, when it comes to fulfilling a need, when it comes to getting an, uh, basically a super athlete on the field. Um, I, I can't speak negatively about this at all. I'm, I am excited about this first-round pick. Yeah, and here's the thing, Sam, and we always kind of tongue-in-cheek joke about this, but we always say we're bad enough to get uh, to never win a Super Bowl, but we're never good enough. Or, I'm sorry, let me stop pause that hurt rephrase my head. that yeah sorry we're never good enough to win a super bowl but we're never bad enough to make a big enough difference to get a first second overall pick um except the jake long type situation but um if you drop minka fitzpatrick in any draft the last few years um he there's no way he falls to 11 i mean this guy's getting compared to patrick peterson uh honey badger and uh, eric berry and he's falling to us at 11 um and we just had to sit there to do it like you said we didn't trade up we didn't trade back we didn't lose any draft capital any players anything like that and he just falls to us because of how heavy the quarterback position was in this draft um it was a dream come true to get a top 10 talent like that to just fall to you at 11 um this might be the first time we can say uh that phrasing that i started this uh, whole sentence with um is not the case we actually got an impactful game-changing player that will change the franchise and we didn't have to be god awful 0 and 16 to do it so it was uh, a hell of a pick i loved it man like uh, we we just went ballistic in the uh the dolphins man cave yeah, you know what's interesting about this too is that you have you have this basically this dichotomy when it comes to to the draft do you pick need or do you pick best overall player and i think when it comes to mika fitzpatrick and when it comes to the next pick mike gusecki uh tight end out of penn state we were able to kind of merge those two where the best player on the board is also somebody that really fills a need either on defense or offense in this case mika fitzpatrick uh, we needed defensive help uh, especially on the back end of the defense be it linebacker or defensive back help mika does that for us uh, there's not it's not a bad thing at all uh going into uh the second round here uh mike gasecki tight end penn state we really needed a tight end we haven't had a good quality tight end in a very long time yeah and you look at this guy's measurables uh, again chris this guy is kind of like jimmy graham tyler eifert all the name tight ends that are that are just amazing players offensively in the league uh roped into one he's like a, he's like a healthy Tyler Eifert and this guy runs faster than most wide receivers he lifts weights more than most you know defensive and offensive linemen this guy catches everything thrown his way Uh, the only thing he can't do is block but you know what we didn't get him to block we got him to be a target for Ryan Tannehill this is your Jarvis Landry replacement at least in 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 theory this is the guy that Ryan Tannehill can find get him the ball and let him go make something happen in space uh I love this pick I I was uh, torn between uh, him and Dallas Godert but uh I'm the more and more I watch on Mike Gusecki the more I love this tight end pick at number uh, 42 overall 
this guy was planned to be Gronk's replacement. Uh, the stories have come out that New England traded back not uh, only after we picked this kid because he was on their board and they wanted him bad. And since we took him, uh, they traded down because there wasn't anybody else worthy of staying in their pick. So if that says anything to you and how they've utilized the tight end position, how Belichick and that offense and that system use uses a tight end and knowing how much Adam Gase's offense runs through uh, solid tight ends. This kid uh, he has an insane catch radius. Um, Tannehill can just put it anywhere, up in the air, and this guy's going to go find it and go catch it. Uh, like you said, faster than most receivers, stronger than left tackles. Uh, his measurables at the combine were just absolutely ridiculous. I think they're the second best overall of all time as far as like actual every single one, long jump, broad jump, bench press, 40 time, cone drill, those things all there. I mean he graded out insane – um, insanely, and he is playing against real solid competition in the Big Ten. Um, so it, it, this is just unreal. And anybody saying anything about his blocking ability, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Like honestly, um, somebody tweeted about it. Antonio Gates was he known for his blocking? No, he's going to the Hall of Fame, guys. Like who cares? Like this is a passing league. We're in the shotgun 70 percent of the time. Uh, having that mismatch there to take advantage of linebackers and defenses that have been historically bad, like ours. This is uh this is the pick for that man getting him into second round after Minka I was looking at my dad like holy shit are we actually having a good draft I don't know how to feel about this yeah quite frankly if you just walked away and you traded away all the rest of the picks of the draft I still would have said we'll this okay. is a positive draft I mean you filled two needs with two uh quite possibly the best players at their respective positions in this draft uh in Mika Fitzpatrick and uh, Mike Gesicki here and you know like you said in terms of the measurables just to kind of put it in perspective. Mike Gusecki has a 41-inch vertical uh, in terms of his jump. Uh, Vince Carter, yes, that Vince Carter, 43 inches. So we're talking about the maybe the greatest dunk, uh, greatest slam dunker in basketball history. And Mike Gusecki is basically looking him in the eye when they jump. So you know this guy is six foot six. He catches everything, like you said. I think he only dropped five catchable balls out of 110 at his career at Penn State. Uh, the dude just knows how to get it done when it comes to catching the ball. Uh, and in terms of the blocking, well, more on that later because uh, we, we have an elixir for that coming up here in a couple of picks. Uh, but before that, I did want to talk about Jerome Baker, linebacker, Ohio State. Uh, something tells me Adam Gase watches, or at least Matt Burke watches, a lot of Ohio State games, does he not? Yeah, Ohio State linebacker seems to be the uh, bell of the ball for these guys. So we go out, we get McMillan last year, and then in the third round here, again, great value, Sam. This guy in 2016, if he were to come out, he was being graded as first-round talent. Um, and now he's sitting there at the 73rd overall pick in the, in the third round, and we draft this guy. Um, almost the same amount of measurables, height and weight-wise, as Roquan Smith. Yep. Uh, speed is fantastic he's stronger than you would think if you look at tape and stuff that's been passed around on twitter uh this guy's been pancaking offensive alignment to get to the quarterback he's aggressive sam you, you, you talked about it before we started this uh discussion but we really showed our hand of what our plan is to do and that is to have a pass passing attack offense with speed and mismatches and a defense that can fly Fly around, sideline to sideline, speed, speed, speed. I mean, there's just unbelievable amount of speed that's been added to this team in free agency and during the draft. Minka Fitzpatrick, Mike Jacecki, Jerome Baker, add him with McMillan there. And then what you were talking about with the mismatches with safeties 
now. We have McDonald that can come down in a nickel situation, but play all three downs uh, as an outside linebacker and somebody that can cover. We're not losing anything with Fitzpatrick playing center field and Rashad Jones at strong safety and the speed at linebacker. Now, all of a sudden, uh, somebody had mentioned this before. We are showing our hand all the time on defense. On first down, we'd have your Mike Holes, uh, the Chase Allens on the field that are just like run stoppers. So what they what would they do? They would do short uh, it passes to attack the middle of our defense and just completely carve us up. Now you can't do that. And now we can blitz and now we can disguise coverages. Now we can really get after the quarterback. And uh, this is something we talked about, Sam, losing in Dominican Sue, the arguably the number one defensive tackle in the league. But if you replace him with six guys around that position, we can afford to lose him. And that's what we've done here. And I really am excited about the speed and the way we can attack this defense. Yeah, this was the first pick uh, that when it when it came on the board, I went, oh, that's not who I expected them to pick. And then as I did some research and watched some tape and listened to everyone, I went, this pick, this pick makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> like you said, uh, we struggled, especially against tight ends and, uh, let's be honest, running backs that can catch the ball. So now you have Mika Fitzpatrick who can line up and, and go up against Rob Gronkowski when we're playing the Patriots. You have Jerome Baker who can actually break up a screen pass to Shady McCoy and make sure he doesn't go for 50 freaking yards every single time he catches the ball with seven linemen in front of him. You know, <clears throat> this guy, uh, I don't know if he's going to be an every down back for us, but what he does is he shores up the middle of that defense where we have had just basically a weak spot for I don't even know how long, Chris. Uh, you Pair him in the middle with Raekwon McMillan. Uh, actually, Raekwon to be in the middle. He's on the weak side. Uh, if you can keep him clean, if you can keep blockers off of him, I think this is a guy who can go out and do some damage. He's a sure tackler. He can run up and down the field. He can cover. Um, he's got a pedigree. He went to a big school, and he's played with Raekwon McMillan in the past. In fact, the best ball he ever had was with Raekwon right by his side. So you team those two yep. back up again. I don't think it'll be too long before Jerome Baker is a name that uh, is on the back of a lot of jerseys uh, with Dolphins everywhere. Yeah, if you think about it and actually break it down this way, we got this is what we're going into the season with. Uh, Minkin Fitzpatrick as a first-round pick, Jacecki as a second-round pick, McMillan as a second-round pick because he missed all of last year, and then Baker as a third-round pick. If that was an actual draft class, like we would be ecstatic with, with, with that turnout to get a tight end like that uh, and two linebackers back-to-back, both that were familiar. And you look at this. Adam Gase has done something here. Sam, that we used to like almost get too smart for our own good in the drafts in the past where we draft these like uh, small school guys or captains, team leaders, four-year starters. Adam Gase is going out and getting guys that are coached by Saban, coached by Urban mm-hmm. Meyer that have played in uh, big four playoff games at Penn State and um, you know with, with just huge 100,000-seat crowds where the pressure isn't there anymore. And if you look at what's going on, we're getting these guys from big schools – big talent that are used to uh, that kind of coaching style. I mean, he comes from Nick Saban's tree, uh, Adam Gase does. So to get a guy like Mika Fitzpatrick, Mike Giusecki, Jerome Baker, and then adding McMillan, a second-round pick, I mean, this just screams excitement. Like, I'm very, very excited about this draft. And again, Sam, I don't know how to feel about it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a weird feeling to know that, you know, hey, we did right. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Uh, usually we, uh, we're we celebrating the touchdown on the one-yard line and, and throw that ball away on accident. But no. Uh, and you're right. They do pick they pick players from the Power Five conferences, and we're actually going to talk about that here before too long. And, and we might as well get into the next one here because uh, we talked about the lack of blocking for Mike Gusecki. Uh Well, they kind of addressed that with the next pick, number one twenty three overall, tight end out of Notre Dame, Durham Smythe. Uh, now, you know, look, everyone says it, so I'm not going to uh, discount it or, or say anything different. This is Anthony Fasano two point 
You know, this is yeah. this is our guy that's going to be the inline blocker. He's the one that you're going to bring in on your goal line packages and your jumbo sets. Uh, he's going to be the guy that's going to block 80% of the time, and then 20% of the time he's going to look like he's blocking and then bleed out into the flat and catch a touchdown from two yards away, and it's going to frustrate the hell out of defenses when that happens. I mean, how often does that happen to the Miami Dolphins when some seemingly no-name blocking tight end is all of a sudden catching a touchdown uh, against our defense because it's not anybody that we really account for in terms of passing skills. But this is the guy that's going to be blocking. He's going to be in the game, and this is what basically Adam Gase is going to do is say, hey, this is our blocking tight end. He's going to block you. Go ahead and stop it. You know, he's, he's yeah. going to challenge them to do that. And then we're going to line up Gusecki out in, the, out in the flat as like the third or fourth wide receiver and say, go ahead and stop him. You know, this is, uh, this is basically measurables and talent that he's just going to line up and say, our guys are physically better than your guys. It doesn't matter the scheme. It doesn't matter if you know what we're doing. One of my favorite coaches in high school, Sam, would uh, call the same play five, six times in a row. If we were getting four to five yards per carry, he would tell us to go up to the line of scrimmage and point at them, point at the linebackers, point at the defensive line and say, that same play is coming right here. We're, we're, not, we're running the same play again. We're letting you know. And um, there's nothing worse as a uh, defense to get beat by that over and over again and just get the dominance asserted against you. And if you look at all the pieces that Adam Gase has brought in with Albert Wilson with that speed, with Jakeem Grant getting a bigger role towards the end of last year, with the speed of Drake, um, I, I don't care if we go out there with Smythe and Jacecki in a, a two tight end set and tell the defense, hey, like, yeah, match your guy best with our best and see what you do because we got speed, mismatches, and measurables that there's going to be a crack somewhere. Stills is going to be running free. Parker's going to have a short corner on him. Something's going to happen. And Adam Gase is completely sitting in a room right now like uh, Montgomery Burns saying, excellent, yeah. because this is just coming down exactly how he's wanted it. No, this is. And, and we've rebuilt our tight end core, and we've done it not with free agency for once. We have actually are doing this with uh, players that we're drafting. These are Miami Dolphins players. So this, this offense is now completely in Adam Gase's uh, image here. And it gives us a little bit of um, depth as well. I mean, uh, nothing against the tight ends from years past, but you know, even Julius, Julius Thomas, all these guys, if they go down, there was nobody behind him. Not that Derm Smythe is a game breaker by any means. He's kind of lumbering, and again, he is a blocking back. But you have somebody in the pipeline uh, that you can develop. Maybe you can develop those pass, you know, pass catching and route running skills. Uh, while in the meantime, he excels at blocking. You know, kind of accentuate his strength and hide his weakness in the background. And who knows? Ultimately, down the road, he might be the guy um, that everyone, you know isn't expecting to catch touchdown passes and does that. So I love it. I love the fact that we have a couple new tight ends. I love the fact that we addressed needs uh, with... And we still have Gray. We still have Gray. And Tannehill, it's true. if you if you all remember, Tannehill really liked Gray. Gray can get behind the defense. Uh, yeah, Gray can get behind the defense, and Tannehill will throw him the ball. He trusts him fully. And you can see an offense with a two tight end set and putting Gray at H-back or a fullback um, offset from uh, with Drake at, at the running back position. That's a mismatch nightmare because you got Jacecki who your safety or best cover linebacker has to take and Gray can now come out of the backfield and leak into the flat. So I mean the options are just endless there. We went from having uh one former quarterback at tight end to that being one of our strongest positions on offense Sam in one draft and uh that's just fantastic drafting by the front office and Adam Gase. Yeah, and you know another guy this this next pick Chris is the one that um mm. probably uh, brings the biggest smile to my face, and that would be Kalen Ballage running back out of Arizona State. Not because I think this guy is going to set the world on fire, uh, but because this is very Bill Belichick-esque in terms of what this pick is. Do you happen to know where we got this pick, number 131 overall, Chris? 
Um, I was thinking that we got this pick from hmm, Jay Ajayi. Yeah, we did. We traded Jay Ajayi <laughs> to the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, stop me if you've heard this before. A running back, a bigger back that could do just about anything out of the backfield, but has maybe some uh, challenges with motivation, challenges with personality. This is Adam Gase giving a big middle finger to Jay Ajayi. You cannot tell me, you cannot convince me that he just picked Kalen Ballage and it just so happened to be at the same exact pick that we got for Jay Ajayi. This is top of mind. Adam Gase going, I don't need Jay Ajayi. I'll go get Jay Ajayi 2.0 and we'll be more successful with this version than that version. Uh, granted, Jay Ajayi went on to win the Super Bowl last year and we all you know, are happy for him on, on some level, but... Uh, you know, he does fill a need. I mean, this is a guy that you're going to pair with Kenyon Drake, and you're going to have Frank Gore as their mentor in the running back room. Uh, this guy can hit people. He can outrun people. He once scored eight touchdowns in a college football game. Uh, ridiculous. The, the guy can catch. He can run. He can do just about everything as long as he's motivated. So as long as he's got his head on right and he, uh, you know, does the right things, uh, this could be a steal a little bit later in the route in the, in the uh, draft here. I love this pick, Sam, and for all those reasons. The funniest thing, too, is not only is he Jai 2.0 uh, or light, I mean, he's faster and he can do the one thing Jai really can't, and that's catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah. And that's something Adam Gase really uh, needs and demands from his running backs so he can call a more um, – a balanced offense. So getting this guy and watching his highlights, never heard of him before. Of course, I'm not going to act like, you know, I'm some expert and fully hoping to get this guy in the fourth or fifth round. Um, I looked him up after and his measurables are insane. The dude's like built like a brick house, 228 pounds, but he's fast. You're watching highlights of him outrunning defensive backs. Um, but then also towards the end of some plays, he's running them completely over. Uh, the guy's a monster. He just is, uh, if he's motivated, Sam, and he's coming into this backfield with a, you know, 87 year old Frank Gore mm-hmm. and a unproven Kenyon Drake, he, he's right now in one of the greatest positions he can be in. Normally a fourth, fifth round back, you're going in and maybe you're filler for a guy that's already just like locked down the starting running back position. Nope, he's coming in. He fully can win the job if he impresses Adam Gase. I think this is going to be one of those players that towards the end of his rookie season is going to come on and we're going to go, man, this guy right now, you know, why wasn't he in the starting lineup earlier in the year? And he's going to need a little bit of seasoning, I think. Um, one thing that somebody pointed out, and I do not remember who it was, uh, but they mentioned that he runs kind of high so in the nfl he's going to have to try to get a little bit lower he's going to have to use his legs uh but that is definitely something that uh uh, he's going to have to look at because i i heard that and then i i watched him after that and knowing that and i went you know what he does run a little bit high hits the hole um a little bit too vertical i think for our uh for your liking in the nfl but if he can correct that and that's a coaching issue if he can get down a little bit more um and and still have that explosiveness and still have that ability to break tackles he's going to be a monster towards the end of the season in my opinion um and again and and you can't really discount sam sorry to cut you off you you can't discount having frank gore in that locker room with him either i agree you know you're bringing this kid in motivation issues frank gore is looking at him like dude i had multiple torn acls and everybody gave up on me i came from a draft class from the university of miami where i was literally the 10th 12th 13th guy talked about because of how good that draft class is i'm still the only one going from that draft class so let me tell you about how to be a pro young man and put his arm around him i mean this kid could really benefit from having frank gore in that locker room and in that film room all season and that's why we have Frank Gore, quite frankly. I mean, sure, he's going to contribute on the field, but really his contributions off the field, in the locker room, in the film room, teaching these kids how to start and, more importantly, how to finish 
is why we have Frank Gore, in my opinion. Speaking of finishing, we are finishing up part one of the draft math right now. Stay tuned for part two, where we'll get to the other picks that happen in the NFL draft, as well as all the undrafted free agents, who we like, who we don't like, what the Miami Dolphins did not do that we think they should have, as well as some free agent moves that they've made here since the draft. My name is Sam Marcoux. His name is Chris Colon. Goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Perfectville. blockbuster like you've never seen before in a post-apocalyptic miami florida one man must protect all who stands behind him from the one back destined to meet him in the middle this summer tannenbaum pictures brings to you in 4d the cinematic feature five to seven years past its prime when one cop has lived a life protecting those that run behind him has to face his true test will he turn and fight or protect him till the end only you can find out August 2018, Gore vs. Kilgore, back to Miami. See it in IMAX or standard 8 and 8 definition. Tickets on sale now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.